I'm Xander Wilson, and welcome to another episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast. This podcast is about lessons learned in running a business, with a strong focus on startup founders and CEOs. It's all about finding out what gaps these disruptors have identified in the market, what they're doing differently to their competitors, and of course, to find out their silver bullet for business success. On today's episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast, I'm chatting with the co-founders and joint CEOs of gaming MarTech company Livewire, Brad Manuel and Indy Cabra. During the podcast, we chat about unexpected career journeys, learning to control the narrative around your company as a founder, and of course, helping brands unlock the potential of gaming in their marketing. Brad, Indy, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks, Xander. So to start with, I wanted to go back to how Livewire first got off the ground. When did you guys first meet? That might be a different question. And when did discussions take place, um, you know, to get going and to go into business together with Livewire? Indy does this is a better story than me, so I'll let Indy do it. So <laughs> <laughs> um, when did we first meet? Um, one of the very first times we ran in, into each other was at a sports marketing conference. And uh, Brad was still at the Adelaide Crows, and um, I had just come over from overseas, and and we kind of ran into each other. And um, a few months later, or maybe quite a, quite a long time later, uh, we ran into each other again when my wife uh, insisted that I connect with Brad, and uh, I reached out to him. Uh, funny, funny enough, on LinkedIn, and um, it was a LinkedIn date. And uh, the next thing you knew, we were kind of. Uh, just thinking about uh, what we wanted to do, and Brad's got an amazing background in you know, esports, gaming, marketing, um, and you know my background in, in digital. And we came together and kind of come up with this idea called Livewire. What was the gap you identified in the market, and went, you know, we we can we can get in here, and and what what was the problem that wasn't being solved by other companies that you thought you could? I think this was, um, it's a combination of like, I knew very little about Indy's world of like data, adops and tech. Um, and I, I spent a lot more of my time in like sports sponsorship and then through that through esports and um, running a talent agency and building content platforms with the AFL and others. So um, from that side, we could see that gaming has a huge audience. And that's the part no one denies. The audience is massive for gaming. The challenge for a lot of people is understanding all the different ways in, um, like anything else, it can be, um, quite spread out so it's hard for a marketer to understand so typically we'd see brands kind of buy at an intermedia then buy into live stream they might sponsor esports teams if they sponsor traditional sports teams or they might do a little bit of influencer work if they've done that in different realms what we wanted to do was actually become the central point and like the, the one entry point for brands and for agencies to be able to work out how to talk to their audience like the gaming audience in a way that can help solve their marketing challenge based on a brief, not just by saying they want to do something in gaming and kind of setting a budget, but actually we're looking to be part of their whole marketing solution and to be able to work towards that same goal, but for this audience. Uh, yeah, I can add, um, I can add to that as well. I think um, brands are definitely looking at gaming as a new opportunity and adding that to their 2023 digital planning. Um, as you see traditional media, I think everyone's trying to look at what is the most efficient way to use their marketing budgets and whether that's um, going into connected TV, but now we're seeing gaming as being that uh, competitor to that dollar as well. Yeah, and when you, I guess, put that all together and, and you first 
started to started to build the company and and look to bring on board clients and and show your proposition to people and explain to them what you could do and how you could help them what was the reception like early was it was it you know oh yes fantastic everyone you know wanted to get you guys on board straight away to help build something out um was it a bit of a harder slog were there certain brands that were i guess more open to it than others yeah no i would say that um we were we were generally quite surprised that you know as a starting point there was many who took our calls and you know as they started to understand what we were trying to bring to the market um there was an instant um you know, a viewpoint that there, this is a, a gap and, and we have something that um, wasn't really brought to the market. We don't see any competitors set uh, to us at this stage. And um, there was, it was quite receptive. Um, I, I don't think we had many no's in the, in the first six months. It was quite a lot of yeses, uh, at least for meetings, which was great. Um, and there was lots of uh, outcomes out of the calls. So, you know, as gaming continues to accelerate and grow, uh, you know, I think we were positioned a lot of times in business, the timing is key and critical. And, you know, I think launching the business last year in March was uh, was quite good timing for us. Um, so just to put a pin in where LiveWire is at at the moment, um, I just wanted to get a little bit more on your respective backgrounds and, and careers up to this point. I mean, I find that tends to be a good barometer for additional context for, for how a company gets started. Um, Brad, maybe let's start with you. I mean, we've spoken before about your your experience, you, you know, sort of come from the sports side. Tell us a bit about your career experience before this and, and, and I guess how that um, framed your experience to, to be in a position where you felt comfortable going, you know, let's, let's start the company and, 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 and how has it helped you move forward with, with the marketing and all the other parts of it as well? Definitely. Um, so I've had an interesting journey like most people have that have worked a few years. So I did 10 years of non-for-profit actually in uh, like cancer charities and autism um, community services and others and took a sideways jump into, um, into sport. So the Crows gave me my first chance to do a, a sales role in a, in a space that I'd never worked in. And I, I thank them every day for that because it kind of helped take me on this path. So I was the business development manager, which was essentially responsible for bringing in the, you know, the Boopers, the Optuses, the McDonald's, the the major partners that we landed. But when I was there, we bought an esports team and it was part of the, at the time, um, the executive and the board's plan to become a, a, a broader club to appeal for more audiences because we know that sport, um, globally continues to age up in terms of audience. So we wanted to be able to age back down. So eSports was the, the thing that we did. So we bought um, Legacy eSports, which was one of the teams. And um, I took over the business development role for that and worked with some of the people in the team as well and got to know the space really well. Um, I grew up loving gaming. So like having a sport and gaming role was was wild for me. That was like the dream. So got to do that. Um, did some of the first deals with companies like Optus and Harvey Norman and Torrens Uni that had never done gaming before. So I brought them into a new space in the esports world, which was pretty cool in Australia and New Zealand. Um, then COVID happened and we got stood down from the AFL because there was there was nothing else that happened. And um, very luckily, the AFL gave me a shot to help build an idea that I pitched to them, which was the AFL Players Network, uh, which was essentially uh, working with a guy called Ben Salinger. We built out... Uh, it was about 60 men's and women's players by the end of it. We created content. We partnered with people like um, Epic for uh, for Fortnite and also EA for FIFA to be able to do different pieces of content. Um, had a whole schedule of players playing, launched Twitch channels, YouTube channels, social channels to be able to monetize all of that content. And then from that became the CEO of a gaming talent agency called MMG that had talent across US, UK and ANZ. 
um, learned a whole lot there, which was wild. But all, all of those things for me, I think, saw that there was more and more interest around the world in gaming from all those different points. And But they were all trying to work out the same thing, which was, apart from this is really cool and it's really new and it's a younger audience. It's like, how does this tie into my marketing plan and goal? And like, what am I actually trying to solve? So that, that was kind of the journey I think I came on from sport through different parts of gaming and then into meeting Indy and learning about what, you know, his amazing background into being like, you know, I think we've got something here that people are actually wanting, but they're not sure what they actually need. So no one's asking for it because they're not recognizing that it's a challenge internally. And that's, that was kind of how we got to where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. And Indy, can you sort of, you know, give us a similar uh, snapshot of, you know, where you started, how the, how the career sort of journey progressed to, to where you are now as well? Uh, yeah, I can. It's not as cool as Brad, but uh, I'll do my best. I think like many, many kids growing up, you, you play sports and video games, and I was really no different to that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I grew up playing sports, and then in, um, I guess, just around when digital started to really take off, um, kind of in the mid-2000s, 2000. And eight, 2007, um, I got into digital marketing and digital advertising, um, started to learn about ad servers, um, read a lot of forums, kind of um, was very, was really intrigued and interested in the space. Just, I love the data, technology, numbers aspect of all of that. And then um, started working on a, on a um, global digital display ad network um, kind of right before programmatic started to take off. Um, Once I finished and exited that, I moved to uh, a large media agency called the Denso Aegis Network. Um, Within the, with there, I was the regional managing director for data technology and programmatic, um, which was great um, because I was able to work with uh, incredible clients such as Microsoft and BMW and, federal government um, and run run the uh, run the digital marketing part, aspect of those with with, a, with an amazing talented team and just um, was able to really learn a lot around you know the shift from traditional to digital um, you know the the growth of connected TV the growth of digital out of home you know we saw lots of um, innovation lots of new technology companies coming to Australia and um, a, you know a whole new talent pool that launched here as well, which was super exciting to be a part of. Um, and then in, in kind of 2019, just before in and around pandemic, I started consulting. Um, so working with uh, again media agencies, um, global technology providers, uh, ad tech specifically, Martech. Um, and then you know I kind of again was. Just trying to think about what I want to do next, and um, to, you know, to my luck, I, I ran into Brad, and um, you know, it was a great opportunity for us. Uh, there wasn't anybody really playing in the space of gaming, marketing, and game tech, um, and and um, you know, we launched Livewire. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting to to hear. I guess two really completely different journeys uh, going into. To, to the creation of a company. Um, and I guess just sort of on that, and Brad, I might throw to you first again on this, when you reflect back on um, the past roles you've had, the companies you've worked with, w- were there any cultural or, or business practices 
that you wanted to replicate at Livewire? And, and I guess on the flip side, were there any business or cultural practices that you'd experienced that you wanted to completely avoid with the company getting it set up as well? It's a good question. I think from non-for-profit, you learn to, the couple of things that you learn working in non-for-profit is you learn to be scrappy. Is that scrappy a good word? You learn, you learn to be, your budget hamstrung, right? You can't afford to hire a whole lot of staff. You're not, you're not hiring hundreds of staff to drive profit or sell things. So you need to be able to you know, both make money through different ways, through the community, through support, through fundraising, but also then provide as many services as possible. So you, I think you learn to be able to be really good at managing a budget and making money go far, you know, to, to get results, which is a really useful skill. Um, non-for-profits are also very, very heavily culture and community-based, which is something we wanted to bring into Livewire. Like the staff are very important. You know, the relationships that we have are very important with our partners, with the people that we work with, with the industry. So they're key parts, I think, from running a non-for-profit that were really useful from working in sport um, and I, from working in sport and talent side, I think you definitely learn, you learn more about the money flow of it and like how, how important it is to have strategic partnerships, but how important it is also to be like honest and upfront with what you do, you know, to deliver on the things that you say, you learn the power of communication and persistence, especially when you're in a sales role of being able to do those different parts of it. But also I was very lucky to work with some very forward thinking people at both the Crows and at, at my talent agency roles in the AFL who saw an opportunity and weren't afraid to take a jump. And I think that's part of what we did when we were looking at Livewire as well. Like we could see the opportunity. We wanted to be able to step outside of the comfort zone and build something that we could see that there was a need for. Um, I don't have too many horror stories from my working career, which is probably lucky for me. Um, but I've definitely seen in different places what happens when um, leadership says one thing and doesn't follow through verbally. Uh, and that's a big thing that we don't want to be part of, obviously. Like, we, whatever we say we do, we're going to actually do, and we need to follow through on those things. Um, and the other thing for me is about making sure that um, it's about time. When you're involved in something that you love, it's very easy to work an excessive amount of hours. Um, so we want to make sure that we give people the opportunity to, I guess, grow and develop and experience new things, but mindful that we need to be, you know, we, we ourselves need to set the, the standard as, like, the senior people in the business that, you work the hours that you're contracted to do. If you work overtime, we give it back. Like that balance is really important, even pre-COVID. But I think in COVID, even more so because work from home, you do get used to, you know, for whatever reason, I'll start half an hour earlier because I'm awake or like I'll just finish this thing and you finish at six o'clock. And like that, that's great when there's big pictures and like, you know, things that have to be done. But we have to make sure that's not the norm and people get used to keeping that work-life balance. Yeah, and India, I throw that same question to you. Um, were there any practices you learnt that you wanted to, I guess, keep or avoid, and, and and any parts of the culture that of companies that you'd been part of that you wanted to replicate? Uh, you know, I I, I really um, I really thrive and and enjoy being part of a very highly collaborative businesses, and um, that was something that. I think as a as a startup scaling quickly, we really um, wanted to instill and and whether that was you know just ensuring that um, we we were able to put our hands up when we needed help, um, specifically specifically in a pace that is as moving so quickly as as our environment is, it's it's just so important for everybody to be comfortable with that and making sure that you know we're 
we're um, feeding that for our culture. And I think that was really, really important for us. Um, I also, I love this. Um, I love this kind of balance between, you know, a very tight knit um, group, kind of almost family-like and high performance and balancing those two. And I, I've seen on both sides where you have, you know, a very, very high high performance team, but everybody's got their headphones on and nobody's really talking to each other. And you have the other side where, you know, a really great tight knit team, you know, family oriented, but there's, you know, potentially more time doing high fives than there are doing other things. So that kind of balance and, you know, being able to build the, um, uh, a culture around reward and being able to actually uh, stop and, you know, um, celebrate the successes that we get along the ways. You know, a lot of times that necessarily doesn't happen because, you know, we just always on to the next thing and always on to the next thing. So I think those are really key things to, to add. I don't know if there's any horror things to Brad's point uh, in, in my previous background, but you know, I think everything is, is definitely a level of communication is required from top down. And, and I think as long as uh, our, we have a business that allows that to, um, and has a platform for communication, I think, I think we'll be in a really good place. Yeah. And for both of you, I, whoever wants to jump in first on this, feel free. What have been the biggest learning curves and challenges you've found running your own business as opposed to being an employee of another business? So I think one of the challenges we've definitely had is growing from zero to, I think the initial four to five were like some of the hardest parts of it because Indy and I would, uh, well, we literally were up to 20 staff, the PR team, the HR team, the finance team, the legal team. So while you're, you know, you need to be generating business, you're out talking to people and you're looking for opportunities and looking at partnerships. So that works obviously super time intensive. So I, I think, and this is not a, like a, this is not a pro for the hustle culture by any means, but it is kind of what it took was that most days for the first 18 months, we did nine to five and then probably eight to 12 pretty much every day for 18 months, except for Fridays when we died in a hole at around about two o'clock and that's kind of all we had. So, but it, it was a lot of true time. True story. So I, it's a literal true story. So I think the one of the hardest things was um, getting to that point where we had you know enough demand to be able to build out you know some really talented people that could run take over countries and lead client solutions. And now we've just hired a, a CFO, a COO, a COO, a CIO, a lot of C's, but like heads of commercial and innovation and finance, and you know directors of people and culture. So it, our role changes quite a bit for 2023, which is really interesting. I think as one of the things to go through the journey. Um, I think one of the other things as well, we, in a space like gaming, there's a lot of people that will say, oh, I do exactly what you do. You know, I do the exact same thing. Or like, I had that exact same idea. So, you know, I can do that. So it's been a, a continual lesson about how the narrative and how we describe what we do. So it's very clear, you know, within that, you talk about that 30 second pitch, but it's very clear within a couple of slides of a presentation or a first meeting that someone goes, I am very interested in this space. I think there's a need for it. I thought that I did all of those things and I understand now that it's quite a lot more complex and you can deliver something very different to what I can. So I, I think those two things for me stand out so far. I, I like, um, yeah, I mean, Brad's, Brad, a few of those points. I, I think one of the first ones for me is being agile is 
is an advantage because a lot of times first mover advantage is is um, is something that you want to take you want to take uh, all the way to the all the way to the bank as you kind of phrase it. But um, you know the ability to be agile and move quickly and capitalize on opportunity. Um, I feel like you know that's something that feels into decision making for us. Like we can move quickly, we can make decisions fast. We can, you know, it's, you know, it was quite a lot, a lot of times where, you know, it's a quick conversation between the two of us and we can, we can kind of accelerate. And I think you can, that kind of feeds into the growth of the business to this point. Um, you know, I think the other part for that, for me there is also, you know, we get to also decide who we, who we work with and who we don't want to work with. And I think that's also really important for us. Um, you know, we've got, great um, and strong core values and, and a real mission and purpose within Livewire. And we were all focused on that. And I think as founders running our own business, we're able to stay clear and steer the business very clearly to where we want to get to with, to our North star. Yeah, definitely. And coming back to, to where the company's at now, um, obviously, you've touched on a few things like how quickly you've scaled and and you know just uh, sort of being semi aware of the of the live wire bubble. It looks like you guys are making partnership announcements every like couple of days at the moment. It looks like everything is just absolutely blowing up. And you did speak as well about you know hiring all these additional people and all this sort of thing and and the scaling up. How's that all been for you? Um, you know, is is it a bit overwhelming to have? feel like it's gone so quickly from where you were and, you know, working 15 hour days or whatever and, and where you are now and, and what's going on at the company and what are this next six months look like? Sorry, that's a lot of questions. Isn't it? <laughs> it, it is yeah. a lot of questions. I want a pulse uh, check pretty much. Give me a pulse check. I, I might try to check the first half and you clean, clean up the things that I missed because <laughs> there's going to be All a right. few. Um, so it's, it's a really exciting time for us. We, we were quite... I don't think we realized how rare it was to run a business that was profitable in a new space, you know, as we were doing it. So when we went out to raise money, um, which was all through trade press a couple of months ago, we could actually go out saying hand on heart, it was for growth. We didn't actually, you know, we didn't need the money to survive as such. So we're very excited to bring forward the next group. You'll see a whole range of exclusive partnerships that will be coming out across Australia, New Zealand, APAC and other regions. You'll see a whole lot of new games that we'll have inventory into. Um, that will be exclusive. We're building some products that are really, really cool. That will solve product uh, problems for, you know, marketing planning teams and you know for API plugins to other tools that currently exist. So working out different ways for to engage, not just from a marketing side, but also from like a how do we solve overarching problems, you know, for brands and categories that are really trying to talk to the gaming audience, but they're not sure that that's actually what they need to do. So how do we do some cool stuff around that? Um, there's a couple of more, but I don't want to keep going. So maybe I'll throw it to Indy because there's there's a handful more that I'm sure he'd love to cover too. Yeah, I think um, you know, for me, it's the we've got some new markets that are coming coming to coming up next year. Um, I, I think uh, the talent has been we've been so fortunate to, and and very and and very excited about the the talent that we're attracting to the business and the team that we're building i think you know uh, we we alluded to that earlier in the call like the the people and the culture and the team and the, it's so important to us uh, both of us and 
you know, I think that's um, that's building out, and we, and we continue to build that out into the core markets that we're in now, uh, which is we're in six markets now, and seventh will be announced early next year. Um, and yeah, products is probably the other one that we're focused on in strategic partnerships. Um, we have some, to your point, there there has been some great partnerships. Um, and going into next year, we'll, we'll continue to bring in some exciting partnerships uh, in some core areas. We can't say too much to those, but um, uh, they're, they're um, in the works and, and should be announced early next year. Yeah. I think on that as well, the thing that we actually talk that we're most excited about is like, it sounds counterintuitive because you, our faces have been in trade for us probably more than we would have thought. But the, we we're not those guys. Like we're kind of like humble and we want to be building the ecosystem out. So for us, this twenty three is really about the business changing from being like a parade about Fred and Indy into like the all of the other people that are going to be building it. We've we've got some amazing staff that have just started in like senior roles, some great stuff leading countries, like some really, some new things and new thinking that's going to be coming in. And those are the people that we want front and center rather than us for the stories. And you can also hear that we have a small family. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's been, um, you know, it's been great to have such um, supportive um, network, I think around us um, and that, that also is is uh, spearheading us forward, and I think um, you know we've got a great set of advisors and uh, um, investors across the business as well that are really leaning in. Uh, which, I mean, again, we you know we didn't we, we never dreamed of that, and uh, we're super grateful. And uh, I think next year for us is is just um, another great step forward for the business and growth. And um, yeah, to Brad's point, it's um, you know it's not about us, uh, it's, it's really about Livewire as a business, and um, and and you know, a perfect example. You know, I think um, we just were were invited to an, an interview that somebody uh, wanted to do in the region uh, uh, for myself, and and uh, I've actually just uh, declined it and passed it to the country head in the market, and you know, th- that's just something that. You know, to Brad's point, we want to live that and um, you know, it's more about our teams than it is us. Yeah, that's awesome. And just finally to my last question, which is the namesake of this podcast, which is essentially, you know, what is your silver bullet um, or mindset for, for business success? And, you know, for a lot of people, it's, you know, getting up and going for a run in the morning it doesn't have to be business related, but, but what, what keeps you in the zone? What do you think is, is the thing or, or a couple of things that you can point to that you've sort of kept it at front of mind over the last few years that's allowed you to get to where you are? I think both Indy and I used to play sport and we talk about it a lot. It's like we're, we're quite competitive. Like, you know, so I think that's, yeah, Indy's laughing because that's exactly what it is. So like it, it is part of that. Like we, I think we thrive on competition, not, not necessarily with other people because like we said, we don't really see competitors at the moment that are doing what we're doing. There's a couple of people doing like some smaller things in some different parts but not the same so i think it's competition with ourselves it's competition against time like it's competition to be first it's competition not to be you know not to sit back and say oh yeah we've done that so like we're all chill like it's all over so i think for me that mindset is really important for me personally as well exercise when we sit a lot of time at chairs and we have been sitting a lot of time in chairs like part of that morning routine for me of gym or like getting out with like my son or something it's like it's a good way to wake up knowing that 
we're going to be pretty stagnant for most of the day. There needs to be a time to move as well. Yeah, anything to add to that, Indy? Well, com- you know, we, we definitely work so well together because competitiveness was the very first thing that came to our mind. And now that I can't talk about that, um, I, I'm, <laughs> I would say that um, staying very curious um, is always something that has has um, has stayed with me through my career. Is I, I, I always wanted, always want to learn and know more, and uh, so that's probably one for me. Um, networking uh i know that sounds super cliche but um one of the most one of the most important things that um that i think has stayed with me is is the people that i've met and and uh, the network that i've built um and i i think that the balance and spending time with the family is probably the other one a kind of just taking a break, grounding yourself, um, getting a different environment. And, you know, I spend a lot of time, you know, playing, you know, with my kids, whether it's Paw Patrol or just um, hanging out with them. It just takes your mind off things and just resets. Yeah, that's, de- that's definitely some great advice for anyone listening and thinking about starting up a company. Uh, Brad, Indy, co-founders of Livewire, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having us, mate. Thanks, mate.